Lord Church. Amen. He alone is worthy of all the praises. I greet you in the wonderful and matchless name of Jesus. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. There's no other place I'd rather be right now than right where I am. Because the best place to be in your life is in the will of God. Whatever the will of God is for your life, whatever God has designed for your life, you always want to be in that place where he wants you to be. That's the very best place to be. It means you're not out of pocket. You're just where you need to be, and God is pleased with you. I didn't say you were perfect. I just mean being where God wants you to be is the best place you can ever be with your imperfections and all. So I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer. And I want you to focus tonight your prayer on God igniting within you a passion, a hunger, a drive, a desire to want to see lost souls saved and for God to use you as a part of their process. You got to want that like you have never wanted that. I feel like the Lord dropped in my spirit that whatever you desire for someone concerning God's will for their life, you will receive what God's will is for your life. But you have to, you can't just say it. It can't just be something you know to say. It has to be in your spirit. It has to be in your belly. It has to be in your soul that you want to see people saved. Our church... Trust me, we've done a lot of good things, and we are doing a lot of good things. But here is what I thought about. For every church that I know that have been impactful and growing and affecting their community, prayer and evangelism was the two most important thing that church did. One amen. Because you go and check it out anywhere and find out why is this church so effective and why do they seem to be growing and why does it seem like a lot of excitement is in this church? Because when babies are in the church or in the home, there's excitement. The other day we had my grandson with us and finally when he left, Jordan. Man, I want Liam around. He smells so good. I like to touch him. Everybody is still going on and on about Liam because babies bring excitement. In the church, babies bring excitement. And if we're not desiring to see people save and reaching the lost, I mean doing something about it, not talking about it, but doing something about it. If we're not in that mold, we're missing it. And what we desire for ourselves will escape us. Because it's not until you get connected about somebody else's well-being will you begin to see you flourish in your well-being. It's just the way it works. Whatever you sow, you have to reap. And so if you're sowing seeds of evangelism and seeds of prayer and seeds of wanting to see people have a great life in Christ and you are doing something about it, then you're going to see your life just be flourishing. And so we got to pray that, church. 
We need to know there's a segment of people in Christ-centered church that is so consumed and gung-ho about reaching our lost world and a segment of people in Christ-centered church that they stay on their knees and they never stop praying. And there's always a segment of people someplace in Christ-centered church that's praying. We have to get to that place. If we don't get to that place, you threaten to to, to your own growth, your own well-being in Christ is threatened. Because what you don't know is some you will become disinterested. Ah, the devil will plant so many different kind of seeds and give you all different kinds of reasons and excuse for what you won't do or what you should be doing or what's right or what's wrong. And you will damage your own soul to the point where you get stagnated and you just sit. And nothing is happening. There's no transmission going on because you just was dormant. We got to pray tonight and ask God to ignite a fire, a passion, a burden, a hunger, a call within our soul for us to be about reaching the lost. For us to be about being on our knees. And even if we're not praying for ourselves, we're praying for somebody to be saved. We're praying for somebody to be restored. We have to get ourselves to that place. We have to get ourselves to that place. I don't care. It can't just be me that want to see people saved. You have a greater impact than I will in reaching the lost. Because I try to put a lot of time into preparing for all of you. But you have to prepare for the lost people that are in the world that you are among every day. I'm doing it, but you will have a greater impact doing it than I will. I'm telling you right now. And so there got to be a segment of people in this church that are sold out about that. That when you come among them, you just know they're about souls, man. All they care about is reaching the loss. And, and, and how will you know it? Because their action says it. Not just they talk about it. Not because they know the scriptures, but because they're about it. They're about it. And so I want you to pray about that tonight, that God put that in your soul and in your spirit. Because we're still on our lesson about healthy life. And the deal is, if we're not healthy, we can't do that. And that's where I'm going with it. If we're not healthy Christians, if we're not whole in who we need to be as children of God, then we're not influencing and impacting the people that are lost, the people who are close to us or not close to us, but people who we encounter regularly or who we might encounter as a stranger. We need to put a list of names someplace and begin to pray for those names. I've seen it just a little bit. When you start to pray and call people names, you will begin to see them come into the house of God and God will begin to do something in their life. But if God send them and we don't care enough to, to, to lock arms with them and stick with them, then why would they ever come here? Why would God send them here? We have to be about our father's business. It's what's going to keep you alive. And it's what's going to help reach the lost doing the will of God. So let's pray tonight and ask God to help us. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for, oh God, this congregation, for 
you establish in such a great, awesome congregation of people of God that truly want to do what is right and pleasing unto you. I thank you for allowing us to come together one more time this Thursday evening to praise and magnify your name, to be able, Lord God, to be a blessing to one another, to be able, Almighty God, to be a witness to you, to be able, Almighty God, to worship you in the beauty of holiness, to to pray together, Lord God, and to be able to receive the engrafted word of God. Lord, I pray that the word that we hear tonight will not just be words, almighty God, but they will begin, oh God, to get into our spirit and get into our soul and get into our heart and our mind that, Lord God, the word will have impact on us, Lord God, where change will come to us, where we will walk away different tonight, Lord God, with our minds made up, with clear direction, Lord God, as to what we will do according to your will. Lord, you have imparted to us ministry, and every person in this in this church, Lord God, have ministry within them, because you said it so. Now, Lord, I pray that that ministry you have in them will come forth, and they will begin to do your will, and they will begin, oh God, to be who you call them to be. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that every person in this church, Lord God, you will raise them up and you will place in them a burden, a passion, a heart that is desirous, Lord God, of seeing lost people save, of discipling the souls that you will bring in, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will raise up prayer warriors, Lord God, People who will fall upon their knees and call on your name and seek your face and turn from their wicked ways and say, God, let your will be done in our church, in our life, in our homes, in our communities. Let your will be done and use us, Lord God, to be an influencer, to be a witness, to do the will of God. I pray, Father, that you will raise up that kind of turn. A church that will pray. A church that will be a witness. A church that will disciple. A church, Lord God, that will take on your heartbeat. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will help us tonight. And the word of God will bring about change into our life. Oh God, have your way. Oh God, we call upon your name. The name of Jesus. Will you meet us tonight? Will you give us an encounter with you tonight, Lord God. Will you give us a spiritual encounter, Lord? Will you give us, oh God, a supernatural experience with you tonight? And oh my God, whatever needs to be done within us to change something about us, where we will become stronger spiritually, more alert spiritually, whatever needs to be done, will you do it in this house tonight? Will you do it in this place tonight, Lord God, that we can be who you call us to be. Oh God, will you bless our time here and pour out of your spirit and will you help us, Lord? Oh, Father, help us to understand and receive the word of God as you intended for us to receive it. Oh, blessed be your name. 
Jesus, have your way tonight. There is none like you. You are the lifter up of our head. You are the source of our strength. You are our healer. Oh, God, you are the one who reconciles. Oh, God, and bring about wholeness and bring about deliverance and bring about, oh, God, mending relationships, Lord God. You are the one, almighty God, who helps us, Lord God, when there is no help from any place else. You are the one. Lord God, that keep us going, oh God. We ask tonight that you will have your way. Will you do a work, Lord God, that is only, oh God, can be done by you, a supernatural, a divine work of the Spirit. Let it be done in this house, Lord God, where the gifts of the Spirit will operate and the power from on high will reign supreme in this place. Have your way, Lord Jesus. We honor you, Lord Jesus. We adore you, Lord Jesus. For heaven is your throne, O great God. Earth is your footstool. We are your children, Lord God. We are the ones, Lord God, who are called by your name. For we were baptized in your name. We have your spirit dwelling in us, Lord God. Now, Lord, we want to be who you want us to be. We want to walk in our purpose, Lord God. And to God give you honor and praise from our life, Lord. We thank you tonight. Will you have your way? in this place. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we bless your name. Come on, let's clap our hands unto the Lord and thank him tonight. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Again, it's just good to be with you, good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. It's a thing when you really understand what God called you to do. It's a thing when you really know what God's will is for your life. It really is. I was teasing today. Well, even when I got away for a couple of days last week, I teased my wife. I said, man. Maybe the Lord is going to call me to be a pastor out in this area right here. I love the area so good. I said, maybe the Lord is calling me to be a pastor out here. And she gave me a little side eye look. I said, you never know. And I'm trying to drag out the conversation. But it's just being funny, you know, just getting the laugh out of it. Because when God sets you someplace, that's where God sets you. That's where God puts you. And you can want whatever you want. But if it ain't what God wants for you, then leave it alone. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about a thing. If you were, <laughs> you don't want me to come announcing, well, I'm giving up the church. There are people that do that. Because they, they found a better way. <laughs> Their way. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we're going to go back in our lesson that we've been uh, studying in healthy life. Uh, this is a very, 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 I want you to pay attention tonight. There's a whole lot of stuff that I'm going to talk about tonight that you don't want to miss. It's going to help you. You don't want to miss any of this. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. The word of God says in Romans 8, verse 29, for whom he did foreknew he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, 
that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. More, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. I want you to look at and pay close attention to verse 29, where it says, for whom he did foreknew or foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. And just so you're clear on this, what the scripture is allowing us to understand here is God knows everyone who will be saved. God knows everyone who will be saved. Now, that doesn't mean he already predestinate who will be saved. That's two total different things. Get it right. God knows everyone who will be saved, but he doesn't predestinate who will be saved. How you become saved and stay saved is up to you. God don't predestinate, look over the world and says, all right, I'm going to save him, but uh, maybe not her. He doesn't do that. The bottom line is he knows everyone who will be saved, but he don't predestinate who will be saved. And so because he knows everyone who will be saved, he is saying, for those of you that will be saved, I have predestinated you to be conformed into the image of my son. So every one of us who become saved, the goal should be to become like Jesus. So tonight I want to talk to you on this topic, becoming like Jesus. Becoming like Jesus. If you are a Christian, you have to realize that should be the goal, becoming like Jesus. Theologians have filled libraries with books about the attributes or the characteristics of God. The Bible distinguishes between God's incommunicable attributes that he is immutable, which means changeless. He is omnipotent meaning all-powerful. He is infinite, which is without limitation. Omniscient, meaning he knows everything. Omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. Now, those are his incommunicable skills, or sorry, maybe better word, attributes in character. His communicable attributes is this. He is just, righteous, Holy, he is love, he's faithful. Now, obviously, we can't reflect God's incommunicable attributes. We can't be all-powerful. We can't be all-knowing. We can't be present everywhere, right? We can't be immutable. Those are incommunicable attributes of God we cannot be. However, we can have his communicable characteristics and attributes, which are we can be loving, mm-hmm. we can be holy, mm-hmm. we can be faithful, and we can be righteous. 
the more we become like him in these attributes, the less we will struggle with spiritual and emotional issues. The Apostle Paul writes that God predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his son. What he means is that our goal as Christians is to become more like Jesus. Listen to me. Our destiny is in Jesus and it is to become like Jesus. Uh huh. I'll say that again. Our destiny is in Jesus and for us to become like Jesus. Many believe becoming like Jesus doesn't seem practical. This is where the struggle begins because when we hear that we're supposed to become like Jesus, it gets a little somber. People start saying, Nobody ain't that perfect. And we come up with all these different things as to why we're not being like Jesus. But remember, nobody told you you got to be omnipotent. Nobody told you you had to be omniscient. Nobody told you you had to be immutable because we can't be that. But he did tell us be holy as he is holy. <laughs> he did tell us to be righteous. Uh huh. So, so, so he did tell us to be faithful. He did tell us to love one another. If he tells us we can do those things, then we can do those things. So when we say we need to be like Jesus, we can't start getting ourselves all worked up to say, hey, can't nobody be like Jesus. <laughs> this is probably why we started saying, I'm doing my best. You know, I'm just doing my best. Jesus is not asking you to do your best. He's asking you to do what he tells you to do. Your best is irrelevant to the Lord. So, so when we begin to say, I'm doing my best, don't even tell that to nobody. Because Jesus expects you to do what he commanded you to do, not your best. Throw your best out the door. Start doing what Jesus say you should do and not try your best. Do what he says you should do. The other thing that we do when we hear that we need to be like Jesus, we say, well, can't nobody be like Jesus. So what we start to do is we start to separate our life. Uh, put the spiritual things over here and I'll put the emotional and natural things over there. I'll keep them separate, keep them in two different categories. If it's spiritual we said, maybe we'll go talk to the pastor. If it's emotional and natural, we say, you know what? Let me go talk to the therapist. We keep them separate because can't nobody be like Jesus. But separating our problems into emotional and spiritual problems is the problem. Separating your life to say, over here is my regular life. This is where I deal with my natural and emotional thing. That's just what's over here. And over here is my spiritual side. Let me just keep those separate because, you know, I'm trying my best over here. Spiritual side. And over here, I'm just human. 
See how we built that up? And so now we're living this, this life that says, it's okay if I mess up over here because I'm only human. And over here, it's just nobody can be like Jesus, but I'll do my best. And we just put ourselves in a place where we're not able to grow. We're not able to be whole. We're not able to be healed. And we can't really be who we're supposed to be. All of our problems stems from us failing to conform to the image of Jesus Christ. All of our problems. If we were more like Jesus, we will have so many less problems. But because we're not being like Jesus said we need to be, we have a whole lot of problems. We're experiencing a lot of spiritual and mental and emotional issues because we're not being like Jesus said we need to be. Jesus, if we read our Bible real good, we never read of Jesus having emotional problems. Uh-huh. We never read of Jesus having spiritual problems. And so now if I challenge you and say, well, why we have so many? Because we're not Jesus. But we're supposed to be like him. We may not be him, but we're supposed to be like him. Mm-hmm. That's what the word says. We're supposed to conform to being like him. Because we live in a fallen world, transforming the effects of the fall and growing in the image of God is not easy. I get that. As a matter of fact, God has promised that the good work he began in us, he will carry on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. So he promised us that whatever he starts in us, he will complete it. But we have to believe that. And so even when we're struggling and even when we're going through a hard time and even we're still in the process of becoming like Jesus. But we got to stay in the process of becoming like Jesus. Jesus was the greatest witness we ever read about. And so we're going to become like him. We got to stay in the process and let him do what he has to do. We can't run from the fire when it get hot. Just stay in Jesus. Oh, my God. <laughs> no matter how hot the fire gets, as long as I'm in Jesus, I need to say, yeah, Lord, I'm right where I need to be. <laughs> it don't matter how hard it gets. I need to say, yeah, Lord, I'm right where I need to be. But if we live a life that says, find the most comfortable scenario and get to it as quick as you can, you will not be in Jesus. Before we set about to understand how do we become like Jesus, there are two things that we have to look at. We got to take a good look at Two things which deals with our character and, and, and our qualities. We got to take a, a look at two things for us to really understand how we can grow and be like Jesus and become what he says we are. Here are the two things that we need to look at. We need to look at our real self versus our false self. If we're going to become like Jesus, we got to start saying, I got to 
take a look at my real self and my false self. (laughs) When the real self comes into relationship with God and others, an incredible dynamic is set in motion. When the real self is connected to your creator and connected to people. When the real self is connected the way it's supposed to, there's a dynamic power that just get released and you begin to be all that you're supposed to be. You start walking in that. You start moving in that. When the real self is connected to Jesus and connected to people. It needs to be that way. Uh Uh-huh. Our relationship or relationships will become so much more meaningful, so much more fulfilling, and we will grow as God had designed us to grow when we're connected to him and connected to others. It is only when we're connected to Jesus, who is the head, and the body, which is the church, that will enable us to be the best us we can ever be. Everybody's trying to be their best self these days. I want to be my best self. I want to be authentic and I want to do all. The question is, what is the real you and what is the false you? Do you want to be the best false you or you want to be the best real you? Which one is it that you're working on? If the true self is hiding, the false self takes over. If the true self is hiding, then the false self takes over. So a lot of us is living our life according to the false self of who you are as opposed to the true self of who you are. And you're trying to get the false self to be good or to be better or to be healed when That can't be possible because that is all false while the real self is not being attended to. The false self is the self that is conformed to this world. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you are conformed to this world, I am sorry to disappoint you. I'm sorry to hurt your feelings, but that's not the real you. When you are consumed by the systems of this world, when you're consumed by all that's going on in this world, that is not the real you you're dealing with. That's the false you. That's not preaching that people like. It is so much simpler to be the real you than the false you. Let me just throw out a nugget out there for you. It is so much easier to be the real you than to be the false you. It is so much easier to be the real you than the false you. What they say. When you tell a lie, you're going to have to always try to remember the lie. When you tell the truth, you don't have to remember. It's the truth. 
So when you're trying to meet a false you, you got to make it up as you go all the time. You got to figure it out. It's so complicated. It's so challenging, challenging to be the false you because you got to keep up with stuff. Whereas when you deal with the real you, black and white, this is what God says about my life. I just told you it was up to me. I'd be in California, Newport Coast. I'll be calling all y'all and say, figure it out. All y'all men get together with some of the ladies and figure out how y'all want to do the preaching schedule. Because I'm in Newport Coast. And right now I'm walking the beach and my feet is just splashing on the water. And, and, and I'm seeing the water flow. And guess what? A lot of rich people up here. I can start a church and I'll be all right. If it was up to me. And then I'll smell good all the time. Because I told you just by being in that area, you smell good all the time. Because the people up there, they smell good all the time. I don't know what that's all about. So it's up to me. You know, this is the thing sometimes that people don't realize. That I sometimes want to just whisper in people's ears. Sis, bro, in the fake me, the false me, I can tell myself I can be doing a whole lot better than what I'm doing here today. Let's be real, because I got got to deal with the real self. Just like some people are trying to skirt Jesus and say, well, you know, all that ain't necessary. All that stuff. Guess what? Even a preacher can say, you know, if I wasn't no preacher, if I can just do that like part time, just, you know, on the side, man, I could be doing a whole lot better than I'm doing right now. I could have me about two, three cars. I could have me about two, three houses, you know, blah, blah, blah. I rent a couple out. You know, one of my ambitions was to own a nice restaurant, and I got restaurant experience galore. I could, if I own a restaurant, it would be one of the best restaurants around. I got all that stuff in my brain. So just like you can plan your thing to say, I don't need to do all of that. I could be saying that too. But the bottom line is, when you're trying to be and live, your real self life is you can't do that because your real self, you can only live in an experience in Christ. So when you're living according to your real self, it's what Christ says that you do, not what you say you do. We are taught in the word of God. With regard to our formal way of life, to put off the old man. You ever read that in scripture? Put off the old man? I wonder why the Bible is telling us to put off the old man. That's the man that's living according to the world. That man is not real. That woman is not real. Put that man off. Put that woman off that's living according to the things of this world. That person is not real. Yes, that's right. You agree with me. That person's not real. Then it says to put on Christ. Now that's real. And so if you want to know what's real and what's not, Christ is real and everything else is fake. So when you live for Christ, you're living your real life. When you live for anything else, you're living a false life. You know what? I will say this, though. It is a shame when we're born again 
but we still live the false life. We're still putting on for others. We're still living that life that is conformed to this world, and that's the false life we're living, but we're, we're trying to pass it off for the real life. Can I tell you something? People know when you're faking it. You might not think anybody know, but people know when you're faking it. Mm-hmm. The Bible says we are members of one body when we become Christians, which means the body can tell what part of it is fake. If you live your false life, your false self, while you're supposed to be living your real self in the body of Christ, even though nobody told you, they know. So if you want to keep going that way, they know. And sometimes we, we, we overlook our brothers and sisters because they're trying to be Christians and not calling you out. We overlook them. We think, oh, they don't know. Oh, they know. They're just trying to be good Christians and loving you no matter what. But don't think they don't realize you faking it. Don't think they don't realize that's a false you and that's not the real you. The false self even go to the point of trying to heal itself. But it uses its own methods. It always finds false solutions. Because it's false. The real self that God created in his image must stay in Christ and exposed to the grace and truth of Christ. For you to grow. So for us to grow, we have to be in Christ because he is the one that causes us to grow. In the natural and in the spiritual. How did we all get to this size when we all came out of when we, we're all babies? Did, what did you do to get to this size? You're not checking? Did you do something to grow? No, I'm not talking like that. Because some of you start thinking, well, I did eat too much. And so I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about growing, you know, inches tall. You know, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about wide. I'm talking about height. From the time you came out the womb to today, how did you get there? Did you do something? No, you didn't. Well, so it is in the natural. It is in the spiritual. We grow because we are in him and he is the one that causes us to grow. The part that we play to grow is to stay in him. Mm -hmm. That's the part we play. For us to become like Jesus, we must stay connected to Jesus and connected to the body, which is the church. For us to become like Jesus, we must stay connected to Jesus and connected to his body, which is the church. We can't leave this place without the church. The church is the vehicle that Jesus established for us to go from earth to eternity. He had no other way. 
This is the only way. So for any one of us to have a problem with the church, we better say, Lord, help me. Because without that church, I'm not going to make it. Without the church, I'm not going to make it. Because that's the only way you made for us to get out of here is through the church. So we need to become like Jesus. And in order to become like Jesus, we must be connected to Jesus and connected to the body, which is the church. Now that you understand that, let me probably make it a little bit clearer. So now we understand Jesus, almighty God, the church, his body. We're still talking about people. Uh huh. We can't make it if we're not connected to people. We're not going to make it. We, a lot of some people tend to get to this point because, you know, we deal with everything according to our experiences. And we never try to understand something, usually, it's not everybody. We never try to understand things that is out of our experience. We only try to stick with what we understand and what we know. And so if we feel like we're people that don't really like to be around a lot of people, eh, I'm just not one to talk much. Not one to want to be around a lot of people all the time. We tend to want to be that way. But we can't make it without being connected to him and connected to the body. And so this takes me into another area of our teaching that we probably don't talk a lot about as Christians. And that is relationships concerning bonding with other Christians. Bonding with other Christians. Remember now, we got to be connected to him and we got to be connected to the body. What is the body? Is it like, a you know, is it walls? Is it, what is the body? Our, what is the body? The body's people. So when we're connected to him and we're connected in the body, we're connected to people. That's the part that we don't want to talk about. Because it's going to challenge us to no longer have an excuse as to why we stay away. Bonding is the ability to establish an emotional connection to another person. It is the ability to relate to another person's or relate to another person on a deep level. We have a lot of shallow conversations and connection with each other. Because we allow the false self to always get the best of us. That's why we have the shallow conversations. Because we're dealing on, yeah. So what we try to do a lot of times is with, with, when we go before God, we try to present the real self, because we know we can't trick him or deceive him, right? So we try to present the real self, but when we get around everybody else, here come the false self. And so we live like that, 
And that's not going to help you because we got to stay connected to him and the body. And as long as we present the false self to the body, we're not connected to the body. And so do we have deep relationships with one another? Conversations that are deep. I don't know if it's just me. It ain't just me. Let me say it like that. But I can't I, I can't tell you enough how I'm so grateful that I don't live my life guarded. That's probably why I don't know it's going to either be good for us or not good for us as a church that they're going to like, yeah, the pastor that down there, he, he just I'm not guarded. Because the day I become guarded is the day I lose connection with people and I need to connect with people. I'm not guarded. If you want to live guarded, that's on you. I don't have anything to hide. Because I told you I learned a long time ago, and this is, this is what keeps me being the true me and the real self is all have sinned. So once I really believe that, maybe some of you haven't believed that yet. Once I believe that, I can be my real self. And for those of you, when I'm being my real self that want to take a shot, go ahead. Take the shot while I'm being my real self. I'd rather be my real self and you take a shot than me be a fake and false and you not take a shot. Go ahead and take the shot while I'm being real. I'm good with it because I'm free. And if we're going to have real relationships, we are going to have to be free by being our real self and stop presenting the false self to other people. We can't bond with people and have real relationship with people if we present this false self of who we are. You think people don't know you might have problems in your marriage? You think people don't know you might have a financial struggle. You think people don't know your kids sometimes a little crazy. You think people don't know you're not really spiritual, even though you've been in church a long time. I can go on and on. You can keep presenting that false self like nobody don't know, so I'm going to keep living like this. Or you can be real and become who God had called you to become. Amen, I.J. I.J. is down with me. Come on. Come on, Holy Ghost. Oh, you know kids is in touch with the Holy Ghost. I don't know about y'all growing up, but kids, Jordan used to be in touch with the Holy Ghost all the time. I don't know whatever happened when he got older, but man, that dude should talk in tongues and preach and, and read the scripture and tell me, sit down, this is my church. So I know kids is in touch with the Holy Ghost. Please. When two people have a bond with each other, they share their deep thoughts and dreams and feelings with each other with no fear that they will be rejected by each other. Now, I know what you're saying, so let me clear this up. I don't want y'all to get it all twisted. Obviously, if your spouse is in church, you need to have a deep emotional, spiritual relationship with your spouse. Obviously, your siblings are in church. It'd be nice to have a deep emotional relationship with them. 
But if you have a friend in church that is the same gender, don't go get no emotional connection with opposite gender. Same gender. Same gender. Somebody say same gender. You ought to find someone that you can bond with and have a real relationship with and never be afraid of talking about. Listen, we reveal God to people. The more we can be normal and 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 and, and, and explain our difficulties and our challenges, but still be used powerfully by God. I believe that we miss out on being used powerfully by God because we allow the false self to rule and not the real self. And God want to show to the world they mind. And even though they got problems and even though they might not have this and have that, look at them. They're serving me with all their heart and I'm still working through them. But God can't work through false people. It got to be real. Or should I say God don't want to work through false people because he can do whatever he wants. And so the more you can be who you truly are, your real self, I believe that God will use us even greater because we will be able to show that we're I, I, I over the years what I've seen. The preachers that you have met. Or haven't met, but probably saw that they dress real sharp. They look real good. You know, they don't really, you know, they walk straight because they don't want to move. So they clothes move and all that stuff. And you meet them and they say, bless God. God is good. You go and see how they church look. Go see how they church look. All the churches that you will go and see that. They're thriving and things are going, you know, fairly well in there. It's because there's a man of God or a woman of God in there that's being their real self. It won't be one that's trying to put on because this is what people don't like. And what happened when people, people walk away from God for, I've seen people walk away from God for this. The preacher get up and present himself or herself as superior because of what they are accomplishing in God and people sit there for a little bit after a while they said oh I ain't staying here because I'll never be that I'll never be that whatever the pastor project from the pulpit you might look and says I can never be that and you stay around long enough you're going to be like I'm out of here because I'll never be that that's 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 not something that seems achievable to me I, I can't be that but the preacher that will get up and be transparent and be normal and be human, but still be spiritual, still be anointed and still do the work of God. Then people are encouraged to say, well, I can be something in God because they're normal, just like I am. If we're going to be who God wants us to be, we're going to have to have real relationship with one another. People in the body. You, I'm not talking about people that are unsaved. You have to have real bonding relationship with people that are bona fide Christians. And we need to pray, God, connect me with people that are bona fide Christians. Now, I'm going to help you with something before we go, because this is important as we're desiring and praying about that. Without a solid bonded relationship, the human soul will become mired in psychological and emotional problems. The soul cannot prosper without being connected to God and others. 
No matter what the characteristics we possess or what accomplishments we amass, without solid emotional correctness, without bonding to God and other humans, we will suffer sickness of the soul. Nothing grows anywhere in God's universe apart from a source of strength and nutrition. You cannot grow if there's not nutrition and source of strength that's coming. The Bible frequently pictures growth using plants. Talked to you about that before. Think about how plants grow. They must be connected to something outside of themselves. There's a reason why this pandemic hurt us in many ways. And we try to do all different kinds of things to make up for it. But what God has already said, we can't do nothing about it but do it. And so we need to be connected with things outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Check this out. The stalk is connected to the roots which in turn are buried in the soil where they draw moisture and nutrients up into the stark. The stark is also connected to the branches, which are connected to the leaves, which catch the sunlight and transform its radiant energy into chemical energy that feeds the plant. So when you see a tree, there's a whole lot going on for that tree to exist. And all we see when we see the tree is either it can bring shade or it can bring fruit. Or my smart daughter the other day says, or dad, trees are very important because that's how we get oxygen. So we need trees. So you got that part going. Smart girl. Probably the most well-known passage using in the scripture to give us understanding about this is John chapter 15. What does he say in verse 4? Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except you abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit for Without me, you can do. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. You can't connect to Jesus without being your real self. If you're trying to connect to him and you're using the false stuff, you're not connected even if you think you're connected. Therefore, we will not be healthy. Therefore, we will not be whole. Therefore, we will not bear fruit. We cannot do anything without him. In verse 12, Jesus points out this important thing now. So he just showed us without him. We can do nothing. But look what he says in verse 12. This is my commandment, that ye love one another <laughs> as I have loved you. 
So we got to be connected to him because without him, we can do nothing. But then how are you going to love somebody you're not connected to? You want to try that? You want to try loving someone that you are not connected to? I don't think that works. Uh huh. So we need to get connected with Jesus and the body. Without such connectedness to God and others, we will slowly wither and die just as a branch is cut off from the vine. Why is our need to bond so strong and why is our failure to bond so disastrous for our well-being? We don't bond because we're always worrying about what someone could do to hurt us. We don't bond because we're wondering, you know, we're trying to hide something from someone. I don't want nobody to know that much about me. Let me tell you something. At the foundation of every living thing is the idea of relationship. You can't be afraid to have relationship. You're going to experience disappointment. You're going to experience hurt. You're going to experience bad, but you're also going to experience good. But you can't run from having a relationship and you can't not have genuine, authentic relationship because you're afraid of getting hurt. You can't do that. You will never make it in God. I wonder what, how does God feel when you do some ugly things? When I do some ugly things? What do, what do we think God feels? You think he's like, oh, no big deal. Or you think he feels like, man, that's not what I wanted for you. When we're running around not living for him, what do you think he's happy about it? But does he take away the opportunity for us to have relationship with him or do we still extend? So what are we going to do if we're going to become like Christ? What are we supposed to do? Just not have no relationship, not have no deep relationship because we're afraid of getting hurt. God has deep relationship with us and he gets hurt by us all the time, but he doesn't stop extending. And if we're supposed to be coming like him, we're going to have to get with that. We're going to have to not be afraid of getting hurt, of getting disappointed, of getting whatever we get, sometimes out of relationship. Let me tell you something. For those of you that don't want to be true about marriage, I will tell people every day, all day, for those that got divorced, for those that are struggling in their marriage, let me tell you this all day, every day. Marriage is a challenge and you will be hurt and you will be frustrated and you will want to give up. But it's still the best relationship you can ever have on the face of this earth outside of Jesus. Marriage relationship is the best thing you can ever have. So the deal is, what are you going to do? What we like to say in the natural. Listen, the reward is so great that the risk is no big deal. 
When you weigh the risk and reward, that's heaven. That's your relationship with Christ. That's your relationship with people. Weigh the risk and the reward. And the risk does not compare to the reward that you will get when you have bona fide, real relationship. I might get hurt sometimes, but the risk is no comparison to the reward in a great relationship. So... You're not having some strange thing happen to you in your marriage when you're not speaking to one another. You're not having some straight, strange thing happen to you when you're mad with one another, when you're not getting along. It's not strange. It's just relationship. <laughs> it's not strange. It's not weird. It's not, oh, what's wrong with my marriage? It's nothing wrong with it. It's called relationship. That's all it's called. And I got a secret for you. If you got a marriage where y'all always see an eye to eye and get along, somebody's being false. Somebody's being false. The message of the gospel is of restoration of relationship. It's, it's Christ reconciling us back to him. That's the message. So we didn't always get along. We were alienated from him. And he still extended grace and truth toward us so we can be restored and reconciled. And we must do the same thing for each other. Extend some grace. Extend some mercy so somebody can come in. Paul uses the image of the body to make this point. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. You are a part of a body and you cannot be emotionally amputated from the blood flow. Take this a little step further. I don't have time to deal with it. But when you remove yourself, amputate yourself from the body, it means there's no blood flowing in your life. Because if we're going to understand how God designed the body, the, the, the blood flow is in the body. And so when you're not a part of the body, there's no blood flow. And when there's no blood flow, there's no life. This is why he calls us the, the branch and says, if we're not connected to the vine, if we're not connected that way, we're no good. We're withered up. We're dried up. And all you got to do is break it off or chop it off and go throw it in the fire because you're no good no more. So when you're disconnected from the body, whether you do it or whatever the case may be, or you let somebody get on your nerves so bad that you have to get amputated from the body, you're only hurting yourself. All right. I'm almost there. We have to move towards having real relationship with one another and stop faking it up. Praise the Lord. How are you? Don't do it. We need to stop it. We need to stop it. That, that fake stuff got to go. We have to learn how to become vulnerable. Somebody say vulnerable. The word vulnerable literally means open to criticism or attack. When you say you are vulnerable, you are saying I'm open to criticism and attack. 
And if you're a real man of God or a real woman of God, if you're connected to him, you can deal with some criticism. You can deal with some attack. We cannot be Christians. And as soon as somebody attack us or somebody criticize, all of a sudden, oh, I don't know about that church. I don't know about them. Come on. You know what they did to Jesus? They're not even doing that to you. And you worrying about, oh, they're attacking me. Go ahead and attack me because that's going to help me to learn how to love you in spite of your attack on me. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I got to be like Jesus. So I'm vulnerable. You need to be open with who you are. No hiding. Now, last thing I'm going to say, and then I shut this thing down, is as you develop relationship with each other, deep relationships, vulnerable relationships, you need to establish boundaries. And, 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 and we have to learn that boundaries don't mean I'm blocking you out. Boundaries mean this is all I can handle. Ooh, I got one. Mm-hmm. When you're dealing with people on a real level, learn tonight, because that's why we're talking about this, that in that real relationship, you can have boundaries. And don't get mad at them when they say, well, I don't like doing that. Or I don't feel like doing that. We can't be mad just like right now. I can't. I don't walk around being mad at people who get vaccinated or not vaccinated because I'm learning myself that we have to respect one another, love one another. We might be different, but the bottom line is if I have a real love for you and have a real relationship with I got to respect where you stand. I don't have to agree with it, but I better respect it. So build up boundaries. Know your boundaries in your life, who you are as a real person, what you can handle and what you can't handle. So when you go into a real relationship with someone in the body, you already know your boundaries. And so as you begin to talk and whatever you get into, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I don't like be comfortable saying, no, I don't like doing that. Be comfortable saying that's not really me. And the other person has to be comfortable in saying, I understand. That's how we have relationship. That's how we have. Now, now somebody could be doing something that's wrong. okay? and and we got to be able to have that open relationship where we can say, you know, I respect your position. But biblically, that's not sound. We can say that, but wait till your relationship is going somewhere. Wait, wait till your relationship. This is what I mean by, we, 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 you know what we do sometimes? Here's one thing that we do. You can't do this, church. You can't do this because as God begins to use us to reach the lost, you can't do this to people. If you didn't see them in a while and they come into the church, please don't say where you've been. Because you don't have that relationship with them. Because if you had a relationship with them, guess what? You'd have known where they've been. You would know where they've been. 
So don't ask them that because you're not in a relationship with them like that. Because then you're going to be mad like, oh, they got mad. No, you've got to realize that they haven't been around and whatever the reason they haven't been around. And if you weren't reaching out to them to find out where they've been, then why you ask them where they've been? So when they come, just smile. I'm so glad to see you. How you doing? How you doing? How's everything? You all right? Do you need anything? Man, I'm praying for you. Love you. So good to see you. That's what we do. You don't talk about where you've been. How you going to say that? We got to have real relationship. Real relationship. And when you have real relationship, you're able to know I don't have a real relationship with that person, so I can't say that to them. Got to have boundaries. There is diversity in our unity as we move as a body. Yes, we're unified, but we're individuals still. Separateness is an important aspect of human identity. We are to be connected to others without losing our own identity. That's a challenge, but God called us to do that. We are to be like Jesus in this respect. Jesus never lost his identity, but he's connected to us. We're sinners, and he's holy. He's connected to us. So here I go. I finish up. God predestinated you to become like him, and that is not unrealistic. It's not. If he said Whatever he says, then that's what it is. If you want to go buck that or argue with that, you're in serious trouble. Whatever the word of God says, just accept it and say, God, help me to be what you say I'm supposed to be. That's all you can do. When we become like him, we will make the impact on this world he expected us to make on this world. Our life will be so much more fulfilling. Our relationships will be so much more meaningful and productive. We will be spiritually and emotionally stable and reliable and we will grow and bear fruit beyond our imagination. And so I give you a scripture. Here is your takeaway. Action item. Got to always slide some corporate America talk. Action item. I gave you a lot of action item tonight, but in case you didn't catch all those action items, here's the final action item. If you want to become like Jesus, here's some practical things to practice to become like Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 22 to verse 32. It says, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. Put off the old man, the false man, the false woman, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. So God says, the person that's not in Christ, corrupt, deceitful, and a whole lot of lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which is after God is created in righteousness 
and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry, sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. So labor, whatever you got, give it to somebody. You want to be like Jesus? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Don't say where you've been. Say it's so good to see you. I gave you that, right? Uh-huh. Yes. But that which is good to use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. Will you give them grace when they come? They might have been away. Give them grace when they come. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Finally, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, had forgiven you. Let's stand. We can become like Christ. It's not something unreal. It's not something that we can't do. We can do it. We might not be able to be omniscient, omnipotent. We might not be able to be immutable, but the bottom line is we can be loving. We can be kind. We can be holy. We can really be faithful. We could treat one another and have real relationship with one another in an in a authentic, pure, and holy, and righteous way. It's time to have relationship with one another and not keep our lives separate because we are all one in Christ. And our life is not separated. Our life is supposed to be in Christ. Whew. Lord, I thank you tonight. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this privilege to hear your word. Lord, I pray that every word spoken here tonight, according to your will, Lord God, let it just take root into our heart, into our spirit, in our soul. Let it begin to grow and produce good fruit. I pray, Almighty God, that there will be a move of your spirit upon this church like we've never experienced, Lord God. That, Father, we will become witnesses, oh God, because you will put that passion, that desire, that hunger, that drive in us, Lord God, to love the lost, to love those, oh God, who have, oh God, walked out on you, to love them, Lord God, with the love that is so pure. Oh God, I pray tonight that you will help us to become healthy children of God. That, Lord, we will become like you, and that our whole being, our whole man, will truly become Christ-like. I pray tonight, Lord, that you will help us, and that the power of your Spirit will work in our lives and move upon us, and that, oh God, 
Hallelujah. We will go to a new dimension in you. And oh God, we can do the work of the ministry. There's a sea of lost people all around us, Lord God. And we want to reach them. We want to minister to them. We want to be a witness to them. We want to, oh God, help them. Point them towards you. That they're born again of the water and of the Spirit. And oh God, that they will be discipled. That they too can be, oh God, instrument that you can work through. I thank you tonight for your word. For the church of the living God, the people of faith. Will you bless them, oh God? Will you keep them, oh God? Will you let your face shine upon them? Be gracious unto them. Help us to grow in the word. Help us to grow in being a doer of the word. Help us, almighty God, to be more like you. For we want to be like you. For God, you predestinated that us, your children, will be conformed into your image. Now, will you help us tonight, oh God, that we will be conformed into your image. That our light can shine. That, Lord God, we can be that light in dark places. That we can be that instrument, that conduit that you can work through. Oh, God, help us tonight. We give you honor tonight. There is none like you, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Great is your faithfulness. Oh, God, I thank you tonight. I thank you for bringing us together. I thank you, Lord God, for just speaking to us. You're so wonderful. You're so kind. You're so gracious. And oh God, as we go from this place tonight, we pray your hand be upon us. We pray your will to be done. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Come on, somebody love him before you walk out of this place tonight. Love him. Love him. Let him know you adore him. Let him know he is just the best thing that ever happened to you. Let him know how much you adore him. Let him know how much you honor him. Let him know how much you want to please him. Let him know. Let him know. Let him know tonight. Ah, ah, my God, my God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Before you go tonight, put a good offering in the basket. Let it go for our building fund. Give to our building fund tonight. Put a good offering in. Saturday at 5 p.m., if you do anything in this church, anything, if you serve in any capacity, if you do anything in this church, anything, if you do something, will you come Saturday at 5 p.m.? We want to meet with you, and we're going to introduce to you our latest initiative, which is our uh, stewardship campaign. We will talk to the leadership, and then eventually on the 25th of September, we will talk to the entire body. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening. Give to the building fund tonight. Hallelujah.